Brother Coombs coming here today. And, and let me just mention the service tonight in case you've just come in. And two wonderful, outstanding men of God we're going to be hearing from. Brother Pixler is going to be our first speaker tonight. I don't like really like that word speaker. He's going to be our preacher. Amen. Second preacher is going to be Brother Alviar. He's blessed us so many times. The beauty contest, brother, you can just preach that again. Amen. Any of them is good. Praise God. Well, we're so blessed today to have, uh, you know, you make some friendships and it just seems like you have known them all of your life. The more you know them, uh, the better you feel, the more you appreciate them. Well, I can tell you that has been the case with our friend, Brother Coon. Brother Coombe, we love you here. He's been to our local church to preach for us. He's blessed us here at camp meeting. He's helped us. And we're glad, Brother Coon, you're here to share the call of God on your life with all these people that's gathered here today. Love you. Thank you, Brother Holmes. Love you, Brother. We love Brother Holmes, don't we? Amen. Hallelujah. Well, praise the Lord, everybody. And everybody said praise the Lord. My, what a Holy Ghost meeting we're in. And I have so enjoyed it. I'm humbled and I'm honored to stand here before you today in the presence of so many outstanding preachers and outstanding saints. And uh, after Brother Price and Brother White got through with the preachers and the men. I don't really know if I ought to preach today or not. <clears throat> I'm telling you, those great guys in the Lord, they spoke to us out of their heart. I was blessed and I was blistered at the same time. Hallelujah. But I want you to know I appreciate it more than they can ever know. Thank the Lord. And I'm looking forward to the service tonight. I hope I do not have to leave. I told the men yesterday about a lady that prayed for me in the church at Gina that I could sing better. And uh, she thinks the Lord answered her prayer. Uh, most folks don't. Uh, so that's the reason I don't sing. But she passed away this morning. And uh, so I don't know what my plans will have to be, but I do plan to be here tonight, the Lord willing. You can be seated for a moment. It's a joy to be here, and uh, I want to thank everybody for everything. I want to thank Brother Holmes for his hospitality, the wonderful accommodations, all of the good things, uh, the blessings of the Lord. And uh, Brother Holmes is a very, very special man, <clears throat> and uh, the hand of the Lord is upon him. And uh, I appreciate him hosting this camp meeting, whether I'm a part of it or not. I certainly appreciate what he's doing in the work of the Lord. And the wonderful saints of this church, what, what blessed people uh, are here serving us and serving the ministers, serving everybody that comes into this place. Wonderful people of God. I want to say a special thank you to the saints of this church. Special thank you to Brother and Sister Holmes and uh, all of the staff. Uh, Brother Nathan Holmes, wonderful, wonderful young man. And uh, the elder sister Burr and elder sister Holmes, precious ladies of the Lord. Now, let me just stop there. Uh, 
talking about all of that because I could go on and on and on. But uh, I do want to get to the word of the Lord here in just a few minutes. Uh, my wife and I, uh, we have talked about it and uh, discussed it a little bit. I'm a pastor. I want a pastor as long as uh, I've got my right mind and able to get around and uh, all of the other ifs. But uh, we've talked about it that if, uh, if, if we ever had the chance to live in this area, this would be our home church. And uh, what a wonderful place to be. Praise God. You glad to be here today? Amen. And I have the highest of respect for Brother Holmes. Now, I have people come to my church and preach for me, and I, uh, I like for them to come and love guest speakers. And some of them go to great lengths to try to convince my church what a good pastor I am and what a good preacher I am. And, of course, uh, they don't know whether my church believes that or not, but... Uh, they, might, they try to make them think I'm all of that, and I do appreciate that. But uh, it's like trying to convince a woman she's got a good husband or a man that he's got a good wife. You know because you live with them. Amen. And uh, I'm, I'm by Brother Holmes, and this will sum up my feeling about him. I heard about a guy that had a, uh, and I might have told this, you know, when you get 66, you don't need many stories or many books. You just tell the same stories over and you think they're new and you read the same books over and think they're new. So that's a blessing of getting old. Hallelujah. So I I told you this before. I'm going to tell it to you again. It's all brand new to me, okay? Hallelujah. If it's old to you, well, you just rejoice anyway. I heard about a guy that owned a parrot and he had a department store. And to make a long story short, there was a lady that would come into that store every day or every few days and this old parrot would look at this woman she's very wealthy and sophisticated and pretty proud and he would tell her you are the ugliest woman in the world of course that upset her and every time she come in the store he would say you are the ugliest woman in the world so obviously she reported the conduct of the parrot to the owner the owner he scolded the parrot. I don't know how you scold a parrot, but anyway, he scolded him, put him in the deep freeze a day or two or something, whatever you do to him. And uh, so he set the parrot back out in the store, and the lady come in one day. And when she come in, she just looked at the parrot and just glared at him with hate in her eyes. And the old parrot looked back at her, and he just simply said, You know. And so... When it comes to Brother Holmes and how I feel about him, you know. Amen. So God bless Brother Holmes. We all love him. Praise the Lord. Happy to be with you. I'm happy my wife is with me. I've been privileged to spend almost 47 years with the greatest Christian that I've ever met. And I mean that. And I'm not saying that because I'm trying to gain her goodwill. Uh, I hope I've got that already. This is not a good place to get it if I don't have it. <laughs> Hallelujah. And, uh, you know, you can't use that preacher card and pastor card at the house much. It doesn't work too good there. It's all right at church, but you better leave it at the front door when you go to the house. And uh, so I'm not trying to gain her 
favor today. But I do want to say that I really am happy she's with me. Uh, we woke up this morning, and I said, let's go eat breakfast. And she just simply said, as always, I'm not eating today. And uh, so I know that she is fasting for me. Every Sunday morning for years and years, uh, I drink coffee early in the morning. I get up at 5 on Sundays, and uh, I ask her, do you want coffee? No, I'm not eating or drinking today. I'm going to fast for the services. It's good to have a wife like that. Praise God. A few years ago, I got hurt in a horse accident. I didn't get thrown, and I don't have time to tell you what did happen, but it happened. And I broke my left arm and had surgery and long scar and put a plate in my arm. took weeks and weeks for it to heal. And in the same accident, I, I, I dislocated my shoulder out of the socket. And it was in a horrible mess. And so I was in two slings. I couldn't do anything. When I tell you I couldn't do anything, I mean I couldn't do anything. I couldn't get in the car. I couldn't get out of the car. I couldn't, I couldn't comb my hair. Uh, I could barely feed myself, and that was a great struggle. I, I could not do anything. I could not take a bath. I could not dry myself off. That's the most humiliating experience in the world is to go through all of that. But I went through all of that for weeks and weeks. For four months, I did not clap my hands. And so Sister Coon had to give me a bath. She had to dry me off. She had to uh, comb my hair. Uh, she had to put on my clothes. She had to take my clothes off. She had to put me in the car. She had to get me out of the car. And, uh, you know, it's a horrible thing to go through all of that. And uh, But anyway, I went through all of that. And one day I was... Sitting in a chair, I couldn't put on my shoes, I couldn't take them off. And anybody dressing you or doing anything for you never feels right, as you know. And so she was tying my shoes. I had my foot up on her thigh, and she was tying my shoe, and she stooped over, and I'm sitting in this chair like a little kid. And I said, honey, or Gail, you've got my shoelaces crooked. And she just looked up at me and she said, Now, Crawford, you just shut your mouth. There ain't a thing you can do about it. And I'll get them straight in a minute. <laughs> and I said, I want to tell you something. Just as soon as I get able, I'm going to leave you. And by the time I got able, I didn't want to leave her. So, hallelujah. We had a little fun about that. But uh, anyway, I appreciate her being here today. Praise God. I'm glad the Lord's here, aren't you? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. Would you like to stand together for the reading of the Word of the Lord? I'm going to the book of Isaiah, chapter 55. I don't know what time I'm supposed to quit, so I'll try to go here for a little while and stop. But I want to read in the book of Isaiah, chapter 55, verses 6 through 11. Praise the Lord. I'm a pastor. I love the work of the Lord. I love God's people. I love saints. I love preachers. And uh, so I'm not here to hurt you today. I'm here to help you. I want to just be honest and forthright, preach to you in a spirit of kindness and humility, and uh, try to promote the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. I want you to notice what the Lord spoke through Isaiah 55 and 6. He said, Seek ye the Lord. 
while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it to bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower, and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. And everybody said, Praise the Lord. And you may be seated. <coughs> now, if you, will, if you will allow me, I'm going to get comfortable today and get out of this jacket. And uh, I don't preach in a jacket at home, and I'm making myself at home, so uh, I'm just going to uh, enjoy myself today. And let's ask the Lord to help us. What do you say? Now, I'll tell you before I start, and the man is one of my favorite. I'm a carnal Christian, like the Corinthians. I have some guys that preach that are favorites of mine. And one of my favorites is Brother Steve Pixler. And I'm not quite so suave and smooth and, and eloquent as Brother Pixler. Now, he stood here and he preached to us taught to us yesterday a phenomenal Bible study. And I really appreciated that. Now, I'm not going to do that. First of all, I can't do that. And so I'm not going to try. But uh, I'm just going to talk to you like I would if I was in Gina, Louisiana. Amen. And everybody ought to go to Gina before they die. Hallelujah. It's quite a place. Amen. Brother Price asked me, do, did we have anything more than a Walmart? Well, we really don't. The post office and the Walmart is the most outstanding places in Gina. And if you want to see anybody, go to one or the other and you'll get to see them there. But nevertheless, <clears throat> this is just a little Gina Bible study today. I want to talk to you about the single ingredient that is essential to apostolic Survival and revival. The single ingredient that is essential to apostolic survival and revival. Whenever Jesus was in the home of Martha and Mary, all of us know the story and we've heard things preached about it. Whenever Jesus was in their home and Martha was cumbered about with serving, Mary, uh, Martha asked, Jesus, was he not concerned about what was going on and, and, uh, she was trying to serve and Mary was not helping. And Jesus simply said to her that Mary hath chosen that good part. He told her, said, only or just one thing is needful. And Mary has chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. And, um, I, I want to choose the good part today. I want to choose the needful thing that is essential in our lives. I don't mind telling you that after spending 52 plus years in this apostolic movement, 
I want this apostolic doctrine to survive, and I want to see apostolic revival in our world. Praise God. Amen. <clears throat> I, I have spent a good bit of time in worrying or concern about the church that I pastor. I've been in Gina going on 29 years. I was born and raised in Gina, Louisiana. I, gradu- I graduated from Gina High School. I pastored two blocks from where I graduated from high school. I graduated from high school on a Thursday night, started a revival on a Sunday night. And I have been involved in the work of the Lord ever since then. Sister Coon and I married almost 47 years ago. We got married on a Wednesday, started a revival on Sunday. She was 16 and I was 19. And we have spent all of our most 47 years preaching revivals, pastoring churches, doing the work of the Lord to the best of our ability. Amen. After I'd been away from Gina for 20 years, I was elected to the church and moved back to Gina. Now I've spent the best years of my life. I am on the western slopes of time for my own individual work and life. I have been concerned, and, and, and not that I'm not today, but I had to lay that burden aside. I was so concerned about the future of the church. And one day the Lord impressed me that David served his own generation by the will of God, and he fell on asleep. And I realized that I could not pastor the past, and I could not pastor the future. I had to do my work and my, uh, my job and fulfill my task in my generation. And I want to give my generation the best that I have. Amen. And so I am, I am deeply concerned today about not only the continuity and, and the survival and the existence and the state of the apostolic movement at this particular time. I am also concerned and interested in the fact that we have a genuine Holy Ghost revival in our time and in our bits. Praise God. I'm not talking about a pseudo-revival. I'm not talking about numbers just that we grab out of the air. I'm talking about a real Holy Ghost outpouring in our generation. I'd like to see it. Hallelujah. And I believe that God is going to give it to us. And I believe God is giving it to us. Amen. Amen. Now, I want to talk to you today about the essential item, the essential ingredient, the essential element that we must have if we are to survive and we are to have revival. I've been pastoring a church a long time, uh, up into the 40 plus years by quite a few of them. Uh, And I understand that there's a lot of things that goes into making a church work. I understand that. And so for me to sort of concentrate and uh, focus on one single ingredient may be a little hard, but uh, I, I still think it's the essential element that we have to have. But I'm aware of the need of many, many things in our churches. We need buildings, and this is the most beautiful building of any sort or type that I've ever been in. We need buildings. And uh, I think we understand that. We need good singing. <clears throat> Amen. And good singing we have in the apostolic movement. We need a lot of praying. We need a lot of fasting. We need a lot of witnessing in our churches. 
Just takes a lot of hard work to make a church operate. Amen. I think everybody knows that. And everybody that's in a church ought to be doing something. Hallelujah. Besides just warming a pew. Praise God. I think you ought to be involved in something that you've got to use your hands a little bit or your head or your heart somehow. You ought to be involved in doing something to make your church work better. Amen. And I challenge you to that. Hallelujah. But, um, but there is a single item that if we have it, if we hold to it, if we focus on it, I think that everything else in its secondary state and form will fall into place. And I think that all of these other things, although they are an offshoot and they are a derivative from what I'm going to talk about, although that is the case, I still believe that when we have the essential ingredient in our church and in this apostolic movement, not that we don't have it, although there is, seems to be a gross departure from it, I still believe that when we get the essential item and element in our church and in the work of God, I believe that we will not only survive, but God will give us revival. Hallelujah. Amen. You say, Brother Coon, what is so important? And what is so essential and what is so vital that, that you're focusing on today that we've got to have? And, and this is about as simple of a Bible study as you can get. But I want to tell you, it is, it is nothing more or nothing less than the simple word of the living God. Hallelujah. I'm telling you this Bible is the core to our survival. And it is the core to our success in the work of God. Hallelujah. And I'm, I'm here today as a Bible preacher. We have heard Bible preaching in this camp meeting. But I want to come again today and preach to you, thus saith the word of the Lord. Hallelujah. I want to tell you God's word is the most vital thing that we can have in our generation and time. Amen, amen. <clears throat> if the sound brother would give me just a little more monitor right here, I'd certainly appreciate it. <clears throat> now, if you have your Bibles, I would like for you to go back to the passage that I read to you from in the book of Isaiah, chapter 55, and verse 6. <clears throat> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just go a little slow here and a little deliberate here because I want to paint a little picture to you out of the Bible and from the Bible. Now, in this passage, the Lord is speaking, and Isaiah is relating the message to the children of Israel. And here is the message. Seek the Lord while he may be found, and call upon him while he's near. Now, here is the challenge that goes out, that you need to seek the Lord, you need to call on him. And then he goes on, and he says, let the wicked forsake his way. Let the righteous man in essence, forsake his thoughts and let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. I want you to notice that the call of God has gone out in this particular situation here that God is saying, I want you to seek me. I want everybody that's wicked and everybody that's unrighteous. I want you to forsake your thoughts and I want you to forsake your ways. Now, notice what the Lord is saying here. And then he goes on and <clears throat> he, he turns his attention from this challenge and from this call to the wicked and to the unrighteous. And uh, he turns his 
attention to another area of the kingdom of God. And here is the Lord speaking again. <clears throat> now, he's telling unrighteous people and, and wicked people, I want you to forsake your thoughts. I want you to forsake your ways. Now, he knows what they, they are, and they know what they are. And then God begins to talk about himself. And he says, now my thoughts are not your thoughts. And my ways are not your ways. Now, I want you to notice what he's saying. <clears throat> I, want, I want this group out here to forsake their thoughts and their ways. I want you to come to me. I want you to return to me. And uh, then he says, now we've got a little dilemma here. I want you to forsake your thoughts and your ways. But I want to tell you about my thoughts and my ways. They're not like yours. And, and my thoughts and my ways are different from yours. Now, I want you to notice this little analysis and also this little analogy that is presented here. <clears throat> now, how much of a disparity, how much of a distance, how much of a gulf separates my thoughts from God's thoughts and my ways from His ways? He gives us an answer. He said, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And your th my thoughts than your thoughts. Now, <clears throat> here is a crisis of utmost proportions that God is saying, I want you to forsake your ways and I want you to forsake your thoughts and I want you to come to me. And, and I want to come to you, Lord, but I don't know, there's too much distance between us. Your ways and your thoughts are so far removed from mine, the distance is so, it is so great, the gulf is so wide, how could I go from having my thoughts to your thoughts? How could I go from my way to your way? When there is no way to traverse the distance from earth to heaven. I cannot go into the stratosphere and come into that realm of the divine to enter into your thoughts and enter into your ways. <clears throat> there is no spaceship. There is no mode of transportation that will take me from here to there that I can get from the base and the low and the sinful, and the ungodly, and from the carnal, and human, and all the other adjectives you might want to describe it. There is no way to traverse the distance and to get from here into that world where I can find out what God's ways and God's thoughts are that I should be adopting and I should be incorporating into my life. So I've got a humongous problem. And God has asked me to do something that I humanly cannot possibly do. <clears throat> and so the God of heaven turns around and he gives us a little analogy, a little illustration. Now hold on to just what I said. <clears throat> I'm going to give you the little illustration and the little analogy. Now, all of this is pertinent to what I have to say when I get through with this. Okay? So... God says, 
<clears throat> let me, and I'm paraphrasing, let me give you a little illustration here. <clears throat> and so he turns to the heavens and to the earth. And he gives us a very realistic human experience that all of us have encountered in life. And he says, as the rain cometh down, and as the snow cometh down, and falls on the earth, and it causes it to bud and to bring forth, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. I want you to notice this. <clears throat> now, I'm, I'm not in that world, but everybody here that is an adult has enough understanding of the hydrological system of, of the heavens and the atmosphere and, and the circulatory route that water makes its way to us in the form of rain and snow, knows that the rain comes down, the snow comes down through the process of uh, vaporization and through the power of the sun, it is recycled back into the heavens and into the clouds. And then ultimately, they empty themselves on the earth again. And the cycle just continues. We all understand that little simple element of the hydro hydrological system that the Lord has instituted. <clears throat> just a little repetitious thing that, that goes on uh, over and over again. But the phenomenal thing about it is that when the rain comes down and the snow comes down, the Lord says it accomplishes what I sent it down to do. It comes down, it penetrates the earth, it causes the plants to grow, it causes the earth to produce, it causes food to be brought forth, and, and when it's all said and done out of this great process, and, and if you don't have it, you do, do not have any crops, as we all understand. Have nothing but arid desert. And, and through this process, the earth produces. <clears throat> and, and out of the production of the earth, there comes bread for those that are hungry. It feeds the hungry. And then, in the same process of time, it brings seed for the sower that he can go out. And he can sow seed, and, uh, and, and another crop comes, and another rain comes, and another snow comes, and <clears throat> the process goes on, and on, and on, and on. And, um, and, and we know the story. It's very, very simple. <clears throat> it's, it's so uh, uncomplicated until we just kind of accept it as a fact of life. <clears throat> that, that the rain comes down from heaven and the snow comes down from heaven. It comes to the earth. It does not leave. It accomplishes a mission. And it accomplishes a purpose that God has established for it. Now, I want you to notice something here. <clears throat> the Lord is giving us an understanding of what is going on in, in the world. Here is what God says. He said, so shall my word be. Hallelujah. So shall my word be, that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, or empty, uh, or incomplete, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sin it. Amen. 
<clears throat> now, I want you to notice what is happening here. God gives us an analogy that we can understand about the rain and the snow. And it comes down on the earth and produces bread for the eater and seed for the sower. And then he turns around and says, now, just as you witness that, just as you understand that, he said, so shall my word be. Let me tell you something, friend. The word of God has come down to us as the rain from the heavens and as the snow from the heavens. It's come down to this planet and to this atmosphere and it accomplishes what God has sent it to do. Hallelujah. I'm going to tell you, friend, His Word is not up in heaven that we have to ascend into heaven. His Word is not in hell that we have to go down there and get it. But it is nigh unto thee. It is in thy mouth, saith the Lord. I've come to tell you today the Word of the Lord has come down to us. Hallelujah. We are recipients of God's ways and of God's thoughts today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so here our dilemma is solved. Here our crisis is solved. Now remember I just told you that that the Lord is saying, All right, I want you to forsake your ways and I want you to forsake your thoughts. And my thoughts are higher than your thoughts and, and my ways are higher than your ways as the heavens is above the earth. We can't traverse the distance. But I'll tell you what God decided he would do and and he knew all of that he said i'm gonna let my word come down like the rain and like the snow hallelujah i'm gonna tell you friend when you look at this bible you're looking at god's thoughts amen i said you're looking at god's ways amen oh woe be unto us When we walk out of the church house mumbling and grumbling and saying, oh, that's just what he thinks about it. That's just his idea about it. That's just his way. That's, you just gotta, gotta look over Brother Coon. That's just his way. Or that's just our preacher's way. I'm gonna tell you if you're pastor, if that evangelist is preaching the word of God, he's not preaching his thoughts. He's not preaching his ways. He's preaching the ways of the God of heaven. He's preaching the thoughts of the God of heaven. And we better set up and take notice today because God is talking to this church. Hallelujah. I said, brother, it's come down among us and we must receive it. If we are going to be able to survive in our generation. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. <clears throat> Thank God for the divine solution. Amen. And uh, <clears throat> we have, we have the, the, the dual results that accompany this one essential in our lives. <clears throat> Pardon me. And that is that... that The word of the Lord, just like the rain and the snow, it gives bread to the eater. Hallelujah. Listen to me when I tell you today that this apostolic church, the only way that it can survive is we're going to have to live by the word of God and live from the word of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Not only does it give bread to the eater, but it gives seed to the sower. Hallelujah. From the same source that you get the bread, the seed is there. In fact, many times the bread is derived from the seed. But in the creation of God, whenever God created the different species of plants, there was a species that, that, that the seed was in itself. The seed was in the fruit. 
And so consequently, when you got the fruit, you got the seed. I want to say to you today that the fruit of the Spirit has within it the seed of everlasting life. That's the reason the Bible says, and we only quote a portion of it, that, that he that winneth souls is wise. But the rest of that verse says that the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. Let me tell you something, friend. When you bear the fruit of the righteous and you bear the fruit of the Spirit, you become a tree of life because you are known by your fruits. And this world is looking for an apostolic witness today. This world is looking for somebody that is living for God and walking with God. And I want to tell you that the seed is in the fruit. You bear the fruit and there is life in that. You bear the fruit and there is regeneration in that. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank God for the word of the Lord today. Amen. Now, this is Bible study. I thank God for for the Word of the Lord. I thank God for truth. Hallelujah. I want us to survive today, don't you? Amen. Brother, I want this church. How are we going to survive, Brother Coon? We're going to have to feast on the book. We're going to have to feast on the Word. Hallelujah. Thank God for rock-solid preaching. I said thank God for rock-solid preaching. I'm not talking about mine. I'm talking about this camp meeting. Hallelujah. Let me say to you, and I'm preaching to everybody here today, you get what you preach. Hallelujah. Uh, I know churches, and this church is a great praying church, but it's a great preaching church. And I'm going to tell you, you can pray and you turn blue in the face, but you need some preaching to go with that praying. You don't get what you pray about necessarily, and I'm not talking about uh, answered prayer. I'm talking about what produces things in our lives. And praying is not the thing that produces what I'm talking about. It's not what we sing. It's not our programs. But we get what we preach. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I said we get what we preach in our churches. Hallelujah. And that's the reason that the word of the Lord is so important in our lives. That's the reason the Bible teaches us over and over that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Hallelujah. Just as the earth absorbs the rain and the snow, so should we absorb the thoughts and the ways of God. You want to live the way God wants you to live? Live the way this Bible teaches you. You want to live holy? You live like this Bible teaches you. Amen, amen, amen. And never before have we needed in our generation and society as we need it today. We need sound apostolic preaching and apostolic teaching. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I don't mean to be smart or caustic, but and I believe in all of this. But I'm going to tell you, you don't get what you shout. Amen. Anybody can jump and run. Hallelujah. I had an old lady in Gina some years ago. She said, come to me one night. And she said, Brother Coon, I think we ought to come to church every service. We ought to speak in tongues, interpret tongues, prophesy. We ought to roll on the floor. We ought to just do all kinds of stuff. I said, it won't never happen long as I'm pastor here. Hallelujah. Now, I believe in speaking in tongues. I believe in the gifts of the Spirit. <clears throat> Have them in the church. I'm not saying that in a bragging way, complaining way, but I'm just simply telling you that we're not going to shout every night in Gina. For one thing, we have some dead services. Ain't nobody wants to shout. Hallelujah. Me included. 
I'm, when I say shout, I'm talking about running up and down the aisles. And I believe in running the aisles and dancing the Spirit. I, think, I don't think I have to prove all of that. But I'm going to tell you something. I'm, I just tell everybody, and, and we have services that I don't preach. We have a, a services that people get the Holy Ghost, and we may not get any further in the first song. I'm not preaching against that today. But I'm going to tell you, sometimes you've just got to park it on the backside of your lap and let somebody tell you how to live right. And let somebody tell you how to dress right. And let somebody tell you how to be born again of the water and the Spirit. Praise God. I'm telling you, our survival in this church is to have the Word of God preached to us. Amen, amen. <clears throat> and, in, and, and again, I'm not trying to be smart. I preach my share of them. I've been in my share of them. And, and I'm not trying to be smart. But I'm telling you, for the last 15 or 20 years, in many major meetings, all we have heard is shout and just praise your way through everything. I believe in praising God. I believe in worshiping God. But friend, you hear me today. It's going to take more than some praising to do it. The charismatics are praising Him. The world is out there praising Him so-called. We've got the house of the Word of God in our midst. We've got now some preaching in our churches. Hallelujah. Somebody tell me how to live for God. Somebody tell me what to do. Glory to God. Glory to God. <coughs> Amen. That's the reason I'm grateful for the preaching that I've heard in this congregation and in this camp meeting. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Oh, God, help us today. Help us today. I don't want to be turned into another gospel. I don't want to adopt the ways of this world and the carnality and the junk in this world. Amen. I want real apostolic Holy Ghost revival. Amen. Anybody share the burden today? Anybody share the vision? I believe you do. That's your reason you're in Little Rock today. Hallelujah. Oh, I stand here today with my heart burdened and stirred because I want to see this apostolic church survive. Thank God for Brother Phil White's message last night. <clears throat> and, of course, the message of Brother Godair, but Brother, Brother White challenging young people. Praise God. Oh, brother, if we're going to survive, if we're going to have a church in the future, we've got to have some preaching of the Word right now. Hallelujah. We've got to get God's thoughts down inside of us. We've got to get God's ways down inside of us. And it's coming down, folks. We've got to receive it and let God give us some bread to eat. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, brother, <clears throat> I'm not making any fun of anybody's preaching. I'm like an old preacher I heard. I've got something out of every sermon I've ever heard in my life. If nothing else I got out of it, that I didn't want to preach like that. <clears throat> and that may be what you get out of this. But so be it. <laughs> and, but I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not trying to be critical of anybody's preaching here today. I'm, I'm not doing that. Thank God for good, sound apostolic preaching. Hallelujah. But oh, brother, I don't want another gospel coming in. I want, I want the bread of heaven to feed us today. Thank God. Brother, if you're going to survive, you're going to have to feast on something. You're going to have to be fed from the word of the Lord. Praise God. I said you're going to have to be fed from the word of the Lord. And we've got to have a receptive spirit. I hadn't heard the term probably in 40 to 50 years, but I used to hear it a lot, that you've got to have a teachable spirit. Amen. That's just about out of vogue now. But brother, you've got to have a teachable spirit. You've got to have a heart that is open. You've got to have a hunger for the Word of God. You've got to want to eat on it. You've got to want to feast on it. Praise God. 
Praise God. You know, I grew up in a little bit different area from this. And, uh, you know, we just kind of had a limited fare at our house that we eat on. And, and there's been several times when I was small, I'd come in the house and my mother would have a meal cooked or whatever she had cooked. And I'd say, I don't like that. I don't, I, I don't want that. And, you know, she didn't go to crying and wringing her hands and say, well, poor, poor little Crawford, he don't like that. And uh, bless his little heart, poor little thing. He was just kind of born with something. He just got a different taste and everybody's, but baby, don't you worry about it. We'll run you up to McDonald's after a while and get you a happy meal. You know, we didn't, uh, that didn't happen in our life. My mother, she'd just sit down, pull a chair up and go to eat and say, well, son, when you get hungry, you'll eat. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. I want a hunger for the word of the Lord. I said, I want a hunger for the word of the Lord. I can't survive without the word of the Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Please don't misunderstand me. I, I sound like I'm fighting against that, but I'm not fighting against that. I've heard many, many people say, oh, we had a great service. The preacher didn't get to preach. I'm, I'm going to tell you, we had a great service and the preacher did get to preach. Amen. We had a shouting time last night. We had a preaching time last night. I'm hungry to hear from God. I've been in this 52 years, but I'm still hungry. Old Bishop Price, he fed our soul today. Hallelujah. Brother, I'm starving. I'm hungry. I want to hear from God today in our generation. Oh, feed us with that bread from heaven. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. You know, I've heard some sermons. This kind, and I, I think I mentioned this to Brother Davies. Uh, I've heard some sermons, and, and you know, I was jumping up and down, jumping up and down. And as I told you two or three years ago, I've got old enough I can get in the Spirit sitting down. <laughs> I just don't have to jump up and down to get something out of church. Now, I jump up and down a lot, <clears throat> but, uh, but I'll quit doing that one of these days. But I'm going to jump up and down while I'm able. And uh, a lot of activity and all that. I'm not preaching against that. I'm just, and, and I hate to have to clarify everything I'm saying, but anyway, I've heard a lot of preaching. I'd jump up and down, jump up and down, wave, shout. But that's kind of like the man in the Bible. The Bible said, talks about a man that, that he has a, he's hungry, he goes to sleep, and he dreams that he eats. And he wakes up, and he's still hungry. And you know, after I got through jumping up and down and waving and clapping, and, and I got off and I got to scratching my head and I got woke up good, I said, you know, just, it's just like a big basket of cotton candy. I'm still hungry. I'm still hungry. Oh, brother, I want the Lord to feed us today, don't you? Hallelujah. I don't know that, I don't know that I can, I don't know that I can provide any real sustenance for you today. I'm, I'm not saying that I am or I'm not. I'm just simply challenging us. I'm just simply telling you that if we're going to be saved, if we're going to be right, if we're going to stay right, we've got to have the teaching and the preaching of the Word of God. Because it's God's ways and it's God's thoughts that have come down unto us. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> you know, I was, I was noticing in, in the book of Genesis that... Um, that there was the great famine that was in the land in the days of Joseph. And I won't go there, but just to 
touch on this particular point. There was a great famine. Jacob had sent his sons down to buy corn. They'd gone and they'd come back. And you know the dilemma and the problem. And they found a king's cup and one of the bags and the money returned. And all of the dilemmas and the crises that they went through. And uh, <clears throat> finally they kept one of the boys down in Egypt. And, and, and they was back up in Canaan's land. And they was hungry. And they was, they was, they was on the brink of starvation perhaps that's just so hungry just so hungry and um and finally they put it off and 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 they put it off until finally it come down to the wire <clears throat> and and jacob said now now we've, we've we've got to go we've got to we've got to buy corn and that's that's a vicious man that is down in egypt that is over all of this and and we've got to do something have you ever noticed have you ever noticed that that whenever Jacob sent his sons down into Egypt that he said, now I want you to go and I want you to take that man that sits on the throne. I want you to take him a gift. And if you look in the book of Genesis, you will find that, that Jacob said to his boys, he said, you take money down there and you take in some fruits and you take in some balm and you take in some honey and you take in some spices and take in some myrrh. And take him some nuts and take him some almonds, almonds if you're above the Mason-Dixon line. Take him all of this stuff, fruits, nuts, myrrh, honey, all of this stuff. Take it to him. <clears throat> and you look at that and you say, how was they having a famine when they got honey and nuts and myrrh and they got fruit and they got spices and they got all this Fancy stuff. But you know what they needed? They needed some corn. They needed some bread. I'm here to tell you today, you can't live just off of dainty things. You can't live off of just sweet stuff all the time. You've got to have some bread after a while. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to tell you, I'm not for being crude and rough, but, you know, I'm, I'm just kind of, I'm, I'm full of syrupy stuff. Do you understand what I'm saying? I've had plenty of syrupy stuff. I've had plenty of sweet stuff. I want somebody to preach to me. I want somebody to tell me how it is. I want somebody to, to, to open up God's thoughts and God's ways to me. Hallelujah, hallelujah. My wife, <clears throat> she used to have an old... Now, a little dish on our stove. It stayed there for years and years. I think maybe it might be broke now. I don't know. But I'd go by the stove all the time and I'd see it. And she'd, she'd stir in a pot and she'd lay her spoon in this little tray of a thing that was shaped like a big spoon. And in the bottom of that uh, little glass, porcelain, ceramic, whatever it was, dish that you laid your spoon in, it had a sign in the bottom of it and said, Kissing don't last cooking do hallelujah <coughs> now <coughs> you know and this is just a personal deal just a personal deal and i'm not advocating it for you well i guess i am advocating it for you it'd be a pretty good idea uh, you know i like to kiss sister coon i really do but i didn't get this gut from kissing Hallelujah. I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of cooking went on around the house for me to get this. 
Now, we did a little kissing in between times. But you don't get fat on that, and you don't get fed on that. Thank God for a cook that you can kiss. Hallelujah. But you've got to have something besides just sweet stuff all the time. You can't pull out your love card every night. Am I right? Hallelujah. Oh, I wish our pastor is so crude. He gets off on this. He gets off on all of this stuff that our kids are doing. And I just wish he'd leave them alone. He's going to discourage them. And we have to make them come to church. And I'm afraid it's going to turn them against church. You don't believe that. Or you would never give your young'uns a bath. Afraid to turn them against water. Kids don't like to take a bath. Amen. I'm just scared from a kitchen. Hallelujah. I like what Brother White preached this morning. That the men ought to back it up. Hallelujah. Praise God. You know, I remember my son's a preacher now. And a full-time assistant in Lufkin, Texas. Been there for several, several years. He's getting close to 40. I remember one of the times that he got the maddest at me when he was a teenager. And, of course, we wouldn't let him bring uh, worldly songs in the house. And we never did have a television or all of that kind of stuff. Didn't have a video and all that kind of mess. And uh, not, not saying that I'm more spiritual than anybody else. I just, <clears throat> you know, I just, I don't want to get involved in that kind of world. But anyway, we wouldn't let him bring stuff in the house. And so one day, I don't know why, but uh, I had to look in his little truck, in a little Mazda pickup. And I had to look in it. He's, he's pretty much grown at this time, looked in it. And uh, he had a CD in there or, or tape. Uh, I believe it's a tape. CDs hadn't come along yet. <clears throat> and so I'm kind of an old 8-track man myself. But anyway, <clears throat> we're up here to these CDs now. And I found he had a little cassette tape. And it was some kind of world of songs. Well, I just got it and just broke it in two and threw it in the trash. And he found out it was gone. He come and he said, Daddy, have you seen that tape I had in my truck? I said, you talking about such and such a tape? I said, yeah, I saw it. I, I broke it in two and threw it in the trash. What about it? And he said, oh, he said, I borrowed that from one of my friends, and I told him I'd take care of it, and I'd get it back to him. I said, son, I told you don't ever bring that kind of stuff to the house. And I meant just exactly that. Hallelujah. Now, if you'd back up your pastor when he preaches, he wouldn't have near as many problems. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. And... And, and, and if you're not man enough to back him up, and if you don't have enough horns to do a little button and ramming of your own, and the pastor's got the guts to do it, don't fight with your pastor. Don't fuss with your pastor. Don't grab your kids up and say, you poor little darlings. We're going to go down to Love Chapel where everybody loves one another. And there's such a sweet spirit flowing down there. I'm going to tell you, you'll starve to death on sweets. Amen. You'll get imbalanced on sweets. You better get under a good old pastor somewhere and say, feed my soul. Break the bread of life to me. Tell me how to live. Tell me what's wrong in my life. Because I want to be saved more than anything else. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <clears throat> praise God. Praise God. Brother, I want the Lord to straighten my life out before I get to the judgment. <clears throat> Thank you, Brother Price, for preaching that to us. As a group of preachers. Hallelujah. Amen. I was uh, 
<coughs> I was pastoring many years ago in Columbus, Indiana. And uh, hadn't been there too long. I was just preaching, kind of like I'm preaching now, like I always preach. <coughs> and one Sunday morning I sat in my office and and all of a sudden the door burst open. The fellow didn't knock, he just walked in. I was 30 and he was about 75, 80. And he just come bursting in the door and walked over and sat down on a little chair is in the office. And uh, I didn't take offense at it, but he said, son, get up and lock that door. Well, I didn't have time to give him a Bible lesson on respecting your pastor, especially he's old enough to be my grandpa. So I didn't worry about it. And so I got up, locked the door, sat down at my desk, and he just, here's this old man, he's heavy. His wife is dead. He has one boy that is mentally afflicted. He falls over weeping, just weeping his eyes out. And I called him by name, and I said, what's the matter? And he said, oh, Brother Coon, he said, you know, you've been preaching to us. And he said, your preaching has got a hold of my heart. And he said, i got to do some things. And he said, I'm on my way to the penitentiary. And I said, what? He said, I'm telling you, I am on my way to the penitentiary. I said, for what? And then he just wept and he cried. And I said, hey, what's the matter, brother? And I, I tried to comfort him. And I said, what's the deal? And, and so, to make a long story short, we went through this weeping process a good bit. Here's this older man weeping. I said, what's the matter? He said, well, <clears throat> he said, I had a doctor operate on my eye. And my eye went out. I lost my vision. And he said, I have refused to pay him. He said, I won't, I won't pay him for that. But he said, I really owe him, but I'm, I, I, I told him I wouldn't pay him. But he said, you know, you've been preaching about paying your bills. And he said, I've changed my mind about that. I'm going to pay it. I said, that's what you ought to do. <clears throat> and so he just fell over weeping more vehemently than before. And I said, he said, that's not the worst of it. I said, man, what's the matter? I thought he'd kill somebody, you know. I said, what's the matter? He said, well, Brother Coon, it's, I, I, I hate to tell you, it's hard to tell you, but I'm going to tell you. Because I don't want to go to hell. And he said, this preaching has got me stirred up. He said, 40 years ago, in the Depression, he said, I lost my job. My wife lost her job. I couldn't buy, beg, nor borrow a job. And he said, I had insurance on my house. And he said, I couldn't pay for it. I couldn't pay for anything. And he said, I set my house on fire and I burned it up. And he said, I collected $700 in insurance. And he said, I have not had any peace for 40 years. And he said, I've got to get right with God. His brother Holmes said, when he, before he introduced me, what a miserable life to live 
with condemnation in your heart. And so I said, well, you know, I'm sure that the people that insured your house has long been out of business and I don't, I don't think they're going to put you in the penitentiary. And brother, did he forevermore go to crime then? He said, Brother Coon, he said, they're still in business across town right now. And I said, oh God, we do have a problem here. Hallelujah. So make a long story short, I said, well, listen, you need to make that right. He said, I know it. That's the reason I'm in here talking to you. And I said, well, now, I'm going to go to the insurance company tomorrow with your permission. I won't give them your name. I'll just tell them the story. And, and let's see what we can do. I said, maybe, you know, I think they'll forgive you. Oh, he said, I think I'm going to the penitentiary. And I said, well, maybe not, maybe not. So, <clears throat> next morning when the insurance company opened their office, I went in the door and I said, I need to talk to the main man here. I want to talk to the manager. Well, I went in the manager's office and... I told him the story. I didn't give him the old brother's name. I just told him the story. He listened very carefully. And I told him, I just told him straight up. I said, this old brother wants to get right with God. He's cheated your company. He's under condemnation. He believes and feels like he's going to hell and could well do it. He thinks he's going to the penitentiary. And I said, he needs to make it right. And I want to know what he's got to do to make it right. And he wants to know. And he said, well, Reverend, he said, the statute of limitations has already run out. We can't prosecute him. He said, we don't want to prosecute him. He said, but he ought to make it right. I said, I think he should. And you know, the Lord gives you some good thoughts. Good thoughts. We was building a church at that time. And I said, listen, if he'd give $700 to the church, would you forgive him? Now, anybody here under condemnation, we're building a church in Gina, too. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> and, and No, I don't want your money. <laughs> Go give that to your own church. But anyway, that's what I asked him. He said, you know, I think that's a good idea, Reverend. I said, all right. I'm fixing to go tell him. And I said, if he don't pay it, you get him. And if he pays it, I'll send you a notice that he paid it. He said, all right. Good deal. So I went straight to the old brother's house Monday morning, drove up to his house, went in, knocked on the door, <clears throat> and he I could tell he was as nervous as he could be. And he said, Brother Coon, what did you find out? And uh, I started to tell him, I come to get you to take you to the pen, but I didn't. <laughs> and <clears throat> so I told him, I told him, I said, listen, I talked to the guy and he said that if you would give our church $700 on a building fund, and, and help on that new building that it was all taken care of. He said, all right, boy. He said, take me to the bank. I didn't mind him calling me boy that day. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> so I took him down to the bank and he said, you sit right here in the car and I'll be right back. He went inside of that bank and he come back and I'll never forget that old brother had on his blue suit and his necktie and he had his little derby hat on. And I remember him reaching into his pocket and he counted out seven 
crisp $100 bills. Now, I know it's not a lot of money. It was more money back then than it is now. But he counted them out. And when he got through and he laid the last one in my hand, he just started weeping. And he said, oh, thank God. He said, I feel better right now than I felt in 40 years. I'm telling you, friend, this book works today. Hallelujah. You better let God talk to you if you want to survive in our generation and in our time. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, God, help us today. I want to hear from the Lord, don't you? And when God speaks to us, I want to listen to Him. I don't want to, I don't want to turn away from it. I want to, I want to obey the Lord. I don't want to be like the man of God out of Judah that prophesied against Jeroboam in his altar. Brother, I don't want to join up with the false prophets of this generation. I'm not interested in dialoguing with the Trinitarians. I'm not interested in having joint services with false prophets. I'm interested in staying with this apostolic message. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Somebody make some bread today. Somebody feed our souls. Somebody tell us how. Somebody feed the sheep today. Praise God. Somebody wash us with the water of the Word. Because we get defiled and we get filthy along the way. I'm glad the Word of the Lord can clean us up, aren't you? Hallelujah. <clears throat> and as I mentioned to our church not long ago, you know, <clears throat> you, you can just go through life. And, and I'm, I'm trying to wind up here and I'm not going to get through. I'll just quit. But, you know, you go through life <clears throat> and uh, you don't have to do a lot of stuff. You don't even have to work hard and get sweaty and all of that. But, you know, if you don't take a bath after a while, you know what happens. You just flat out, plain, bluntly get to stinking. Am I right or am I wrong? You just don't have to do nothing. Just just stay alive and don't don't take a bath. And you'll I'm telling you, you won't have many friends after a while. Just your fellowship will grow thin after a while. You don't have to get out and play in mud holes and crawl up chimneys and, and, and go through sewer pipes for that to happen. Just don't just just stay at home and don't take a bath. And I'm going to tell you something. The Lord cleans up this church with the washing of water by the Word. And when you go to church and you hear preaching, you may not see it. You may not know what's going on. But I'm telling you, God's cleaning us up. He's making us acceptable. He's washing away things that have have clung to us and have attached themselves to us. He's washing it away. I want the Lord to wash us today. I want the Lord to clean us up today. Don't you? Hallelujah. Don't let anything defiling stick to me. Don't let anything wrong stick to me. I want to get rid of it out of my life. Amen. Amen. As the musicians come. The other day when I drove to... Little Rock, I stayed home and taught Sunday school on Sunday and left immediately and drove here and got here for the service Sunday night. And I passed a little spot down on the other side of Pine Bluff, Arkansas, (coughs) down close to the little community of Moscow, right on Highway 425, and there's an old abandoned store there. About 15 miles below Pine Bluff. I come by that store the other day. And I remembered a little incident. That happened at that store. In my own life. Probably 27, 28 years ago. And uh, 
Back in that particular time, all those years ago, over a quarter of a century, there was a real wave of popularity with uh, milk cartons. You know those little plastic boxes that holds four gallons of milk? You know what I'm talking about? Got Borden's on the side or some milk company or whatever. They got real popular, especially the old ones that milk companies used. And they even started reproducing them back then. And you could buy them new, but they cost 7 or $8. And I wanted one so bad. I don't know why I wanted one, but I just wanted one. I wanted it to put by my recliner. And I was going to put my Bible in it, and my Sunday school book, and all my stuff, magazines, whatever. I was going to put it right by my chair, use it for a magazine rack. That's what they was popular for. I didn't care if it was blue or red or what color. I just wanted a good one. I didn't want one broke up. I wanted one with a name on it. But I wouldn't buy one, and I didn't have one. But I'd been off to preach. Me and Sister Coon was preaching somewhere. And I was headed to Gina. I was living in the parsonage. And we was headed home. And and as, as the blessing of the Lord would be in your life, I come up behind this milk truck. And he had several of these milk cartons on the top of his truck. And there was a little rail about this high that held them up there. And when I run up on him, I was driving pretty fast and I run right up on him. And when I run right up on him, one of those milk boxes raised up like it was going to fall off. And I said, oh, thank you, Jesus. (laughs) And I told Sister Coon, I said... I'm fixing to get me a milk carton. And so I just slowed down and I said, if I'll follow him long enough, I think that'll fall off. And so I followed him a while and sure enough, as the Lord would bless you in life. And it's good things come to those who wait. Sure enough. That milk box fell off after a while. Hit the road and bounced over in the ditch. On the wrong side of the road. I just pulled right over by where it fell off. I jumped out and I picked it up and I looked at it. It didn't have a crack in it. I said, hallelujah. Opened the back door and throwed it up in the back seat. I got in the car. I was happy. As we say in Gina, it's a dead pig in sunshine. Boy, I was happy. I had me a milk cart. I told my wife, I said, boy, that's a good one. I said, it's got the name on it. And uh, you know women are funny sometimes. They can sure be a pain on occasions. Unspiritual, carnal women. And she said, now Crawford, do you think you ought to keep that? I said, why, sure. I said, why not? He don't know he lost it. And I said, besides, somebody else would get it if I didn't, and I'm going to put my Bible in it. And I'm going to put my son's school book in it. I'm going to use it for spiritual things. I'm going to put godly material in this. 
She said, well, I think you ought to give it back to it. I said, oh. I'm not giving it back to it. The Lord provides things for you. You know? So, I just kept a driving. Of course, this milk truck, he's done going on down the road because I had to stop and get that milk box. <coughs> and you know, there's funny things in life. Funny things in life. Sister Coon, shut up. She didn't say another word to me. Not another word. Because she knows that I'm a little hard-headed. And so she didn't say another word. But you know that milk voice, or that milk box developed a voice, somewhat like Balaam's mule. I, I had a talking milk box in the car. Oh, my God. And, and, and me and Ed had a pretty good argument going down the road. You know, I was arguing, I'm going to put my Bible in that. You just, you just hush. The Lord give you to me. And, you know, something was saying in the back seat. You know, you ought to at least stop that guy and tell him that you found me. And if he wants you to have me, you can have me. But, you know, if I was you, I wouldn't do this. I said, oh, hush. Lord knows how to take care of his people. And, uh, but you know, the crazy thing wouldn't hush. It just kept a talking and kept a talking and kept a talking. And finally I said, my, 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 I don't want a milk box like this. I don't want to sit in no chair and listen to that thing for the rest of my life. Hallelujah. <clears throat> and so I'm driving down the road, and about this time, this milk truck, he whirls off at this little country store. It's closed up now. Well, I just whirl right in behind him, and I opened the door and got that milk carton out of the back seat, and I took it up to him, big old tall guy, and he's standing there by the door. He just stepped out of the truck. And I said, sir, you lost this back down the road. And, and I thought I'd give it back to you. And I just knew he'd say, oh, don't worry about it. Just keep it if you want. He just grabbed it out of my hand and throwed it up in the truck and slammed the door and walked off. He didn't say, thank you. You're a nice guy. You're honest. Nothing. I said, well, hallelujah. I said, how, how cruel this old world is. <laughs> Amen. And, and so I went home. I lost my milk box. And I still want the milk box. But I was rid of that issue. You know the Lord is so good to you to talk to you. I want him to guide me. I want him to clean me up. I don't want to live with a bunch of mess like that. Hallelujah. <clears throat> I told that story somewhere and the preacher come up to me after church. And he said, I wish to God you hadn't have told that. I said, why? He said, I got a gas can at home that talks. I said... Well, take it back. He said, I don't know where to take it back to now. I said, well, bless you, man. <laughs> Hallelujah. But I remember I went home, and I don't know why, and I don't know why I did it. But I was preaching. It wasn't long after that. I was preaching, and whatever I was preaching on, it just kind of come handy for me to tell that story to our church. So I told the story and didn't think anything about it. And I went on my way. And that was on a Sunday night. <clears throat> went home, went to bed, and I got up early the next morning to go out and get the newspaper. And if I remember right, there was five milk boxes sitting in my driveway. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I think I still got some of them. I'm telling you, I want the Lord to clean me up today. I want to survive, don't you? 
How many of you want to make it all the way home? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Let's stand together if you will. I'm not through, but I must stop. Thank you for letting me go over time if you let me, or whatever I did. But I was going to talk about this seed. This word is the seed that we sow that brings revival. We have with us today the dual power and strength of Scripture that on one hand provides bread to the eater, but it provides seed to the sower. It's the essential element to this apostolic movement if we're going to survive and if we're going to have revival. You preach this word and it feeds you. You preach this word and it becomes seed. That word seed means either a kernel or a sperm. And it produces life. There are many forms of Scripture. The Bible takes on many forms. It takes on the form of bread, the form of light. It takes on the form of a laver to wash us. It takes on the form of seed. It takes on the form of meat. It becomes a sword of the Spirit. It becomes milk to a baby. This Bible is all that we need. Because when you have the Word, you have something that will provide everything that this apostolic movement needs. In closing, if you look at Solomon's temple in its great dedicatorial process, when they moved the instruments of service into that tabernacle, they went to Mount Zion, to David's tabernacle. And they brought that old, original Ark of the Covenant. And they put it in Solomon's temple. But the Ark was different today than it had been in the past. Because in the Ark, there was nothing, the Bible says, there was nothing but the tables of stone. Aaron's rod that budded was gone. The golden pot of manna was gone. Nothing in the ark but just tables of stone just that word of God that was given to Moses on Mount Sinai and that's what they moved into the new temple was an ark that did not have manna and it did not have a budding rod on the inside of it but it had the word of God let me say to you today you may say well brother Coon It's ineffective. It's lost its power. It's lost its meaning. It's lost its thrust. Not by any stretch of your imagination, sir. Because as long as we keep the Word of God, you preach the Word and the manna will fall. You preach the Word and the rod will bud again because the life is in the Word. The power is in the Word today. Hallelujah. It can feed us and it can sustain us and it can bring revival to this generation. Oh God, I want to see revival in our time. I want to see a move of God. Come on, let's lift our hands and worship the Lord. Let's pray today and ask God to help us. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. Amen. Come on, let's lift our hands. Thank the Lord for the word that we've heard today. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. 
Thank you for the word of the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah.